Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta, over there. On the other side of the on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well today. It's been again a while since we've recorded. Um, Cape League playoffs just started for me, but uh, a lot has happened. There was a trade deadline, kind of. There was kind of a trade deadline, not not a very good one, but there was one, and there was a no hitter that was thrown. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. That is, yeah, that was a a fun thing. A well deserved no hitter from a mm-hmm. you know well deserving pitcher, which is always nice to see. Um, but yeah, that trade deadline did happen. You know, compared to the previous two trade deadlines we had, in which you know we saw guys like Juan Soto, Luis Castillo, Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, you know, the whole Cubs core get traded. Uh, this was kind of underwhelming um but you know we did see one of those names also get traded this year with max scherzer it's just it means a little different this time around uh yeah it you know not not the most overwhelming trade deadline but you know we do have to kind of recognize that the last two were were kind of were pretty cool we're nuts yeah exactly I, i remember you know do you know our show about the 2021 trade deadline was where we were at a a pool table yes and it was an absolute marathon because there was so much to get to Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think i think the first thing we'll get into is that one overlap between the 2021 and 2023 trade deadline with max scherzer uh he was kind of the first big pin to drop outside of uh lucas giolito who we talked about last week um but one of the first big pins to drop uh, the Mets traded him along with, I think, 35 something million dollars uh, to the Rangers for Luis Angel Acuna, who is a you know top 100 prospect, according to Baseball America. Uh, I think stands as like the second best prospect in the Mets system now or fourth best top five. Nonetheless, uh, what did you think about this deal? Yeah, not only did the Mets get a top 100 prospect out of Max Scherzer, but they also got most of that money off. Their hands. I believe the Rangers are paying 22 million a year for Max Serger out of the 35 million that uh, that he's owed. And when you cover up the name Max Serger, this is a much better trade from the Mets for the Mets when you look at it this way. Because when you, like I said, when you cover up that name, you're saying the Mets traded a 38 year old pitcher with a four four ERA and a four seven two FIP uh, that is owed a lot of money, and they got a top 100 prospect out of that, and they got most of the money off their hands. I don't really know how you can look at that and say the Mets didn't kind of fleece here. Yeah, right, right. It, it is definitely uh it's definitely understandable and I think the Rangers the Rangers are very much devoted to the win now mode which I can respect. Uh so I think they're willing to sort of take that risk. I wasn't exactly sure on what the financials were. There was there were so many updates to it because of uh Scherzer. Obviously also some news with that is like Scherzer 
uh, is not going to, you know, he took the player option for next year. So he's going to be a part of the Rangers for, for uh, all of this year, as well as all of next year. Um, so that's, you know, he'll, he'll be in that rotation. Uh, but yeah, the, the Mets definitely made the, you know, the, it could have been a lot worse for the Mets here. Yeah, no, it definitely could have been. Uh, and I mean, looking into Sturger specifically, he has his highest fly ball rate of his career this year at 33.1%. Uh, just, you know, in 20, in 2019 and eight, in 17, or wait, what was the Cy Young years? It was 2016 and 17. It was down below like 20. It was down below 30% at those points. And even as recently as 2020, it was 25%. So his fly ball rate has gone up pretty steeply over the last few years now. Uh, and it's at a new height this year at, you know, 33%. And, you know, because of that, he's given up a bit more home runs, especially this year. He is 1.8 home runs per nine after only being at 0.8 last year and 1.2 even in 2021, which is still not the best. But, you know, I mean, his strikeout to walk ratio is still solid. It's 10.1 to 2.5, or at least that's what it was with the Mets. Um but yeah, the home run ball has been haunting him pretty badly this year. Uh, and I think Texas does play a little more friendly to home run balls specifically than city field off the top of my head. So uh, if my, my thought process is true there, then that's something that certainly can be fixed just naturally to a degree uh, with, you know, search or changing his home park. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I just looked it up. I, According to AP or, or according to Associated Press, the Mets are paying thirty-five and a half million. The Rangers are p- paying twenty-two million, but nonetheless, um, nonetheless, the Mets are paying a, a bit. Rangers are paying a bit, uh, and the Mets get Luis on Acuna. But yeah, going back to your point, uh, yeah, there there are still you know despite Scherzer having a down year, there are still a good amount of redeeming qualities from his from his game this year. Specifically, yeah, that's that strikeout minus walk rate. It's still over twenty percent. League average is you know fourteen percent. He's still you know at at thirty eight years old, punching out guys and controlling the strike zone uh, at an absolutely elite level, and that's not an understatement uh, at all. It's just yeah, his barrel rate has increased his uh you know his home run rate has increased and and yeah maybe maybe being in a different ballpark different division might help him out a little bit because i do know that uh his expected home run numbers according to statcast based on you know ballpark data that was a little down from uh what it was from from his actual numbers so maybe it helps him out a little bit yeah and i i mean i think the rangers can you know get solid production out of serger uh for the next what how is he under contract for another year after this one right yeah 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 took that so, player I mean, option. year and a half while they're in this competitive window and you know losing a prospect like Luis on Heliconia um you know it's obviously you, you want to get a good guy for that guy uh and they obviously got a guy with a very good reputation um you know they have to kind of rely on the idea that he uh doesn't age quickly I mean he's he is 38 and he already hasn't aged quickly so uh, you know, they got to hope that he's got a couple more good years in him, obviously. Um, right, and his right. first outing, people will say people will say it looked bad, but it actually looked really good from a FIP standpoint. He gave up a lot of like infield hits and kind of low expected batting average hits in that first inning where he gave up three runs and then really settled in after that. Uh, I mean, if you just look at his his one start with the Rangers, a 450 ERA, but a 127 FIP. So, uh, you know, the the luck will 
uh, balance out. Obviously, it's only one start, but you know, I think this is a very good trade for both sides. But I also think, you know, specifically, you've got to really be happy with what the Mets did. Like I said, if you covered up that name, Max Serger, and of course, you can't just simply do that because there's a reason, you know, they got a guy like Luis Angel Acuna because it's for Max Serger. But like I said, in the grand scheme of things, you're giving up a 38-year-old pitcher with a 4.72 FIP and getting a lot of money, that money off your shoulders and getting a top 100 prospect. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I think you, you know, you, you said it correctly in that it's a good deal for both sides. Like it makes, it makes a lot of sense for both sides. The Mets aren't going to compete this year. Uh, maybe we could get into that uh, thing from the athletic article a little bit later about how they're sort of using 2024 as a bridge year, according to Scherzer, which was, it was definitely interesting to me, but the Rangers have really solidified themselves as, as in win now mode. Uh, we've seen that with some of the contracts that they've signed. We've seen that now with, you know, their trade deadline. And it makes a lot of sense considering, uh, considering they are, you know, leading the division right now, I think still. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. And they're, you know, I know they have a good, they have a decent farm system, but they are not, really playing the long game there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of uh there's a lot of teams right now that are playing the long game and maybe weren't as aggressive as people wanted them to be at the trade deadline but the rangers have firmly put themselves in in win now mode which can definitely be respected and that's why you know getting scherzer makes a lot of sense and with the mets you know yeah you you do you definitely have to applaud what they did in getting a top 100 prospect for as you mentioned 38 year old pitcher with a 472 fit but from the rangers perspective that's also you know that's that's max scherzer right there that's also a guy with a strikeout minus walk rate over over 20 percent um who you know seven strikeouts and two walks in that first start uh with the rangers so yeah i like it for both sides um do should we get into the other rangers pitcher that uh or the other pitcher that the rangers got yeah let's do it uh because yeah i mean the Mets, uh, or not the Mets, the Rangers, uh, they they saw, you know, Jacob deGrom get Tommy John surgery early, earlier this year. Um, and I think right after this trade happened, uh, Eovaldi went to the IL as well, which is a real, you know, it's, you know, it's not a good thing for the Rangers, but they made sure to add to the rotation depth to make it to where they can make a division run. They can still make a division run with their two best pitchers, on the IL. So what did you think about the Montgomery trade? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think this kind of goes to the overarching theme of what I've seen with the Rangers for the last few years. And then it's that Chris young seems like he's one of the most hands-on executives in all of baseball. And that ownership is some of the most hands-off, if you will. Um, Chris young was hired in December of 2020 and, you know, obviously 2021 was kind of that bridge year and then boom signed Marcus Simeon signed Corey Seager signed Jacob deGrom build it like buy an entire rotation and then when some of those guys get hurt buy replacements to fill that rotation and at the same time develop a bunch of bats guys like Josh Young Ezekiel Duran Jonah Heim uh and you know Jordan Montgomery is kind of an example of, of that Nathan Ovaldi goes down okay let's buy let's get another starter uh, you know, like Jacob deGrom is Tommy John surgery. Let's go get another multi-time Cy Young award winner. That's still, uh, has something left in the tank. So 
you know, I think overall, this kind of goes with the theme that I have for the Rangers in general. And it's that ever since Chris Young has taken over, the, the front office mentality has changed entirely. And it really sounds like he's calling the shots more than any GM in baseball, honestly. Right, right. And it, it's definitely evident that the, you know, the Rangers owner is not like he's he's letting it all happen. It's, you know, it's, it's his money. The GM has to go through or the GM slash president of baseball ops, whatever you want to call him. Um, you know, he, he has to go through the owner and the owner's like, yeah, I'm, I'm will I'm willing to pay all these guys. I'm willing to pay Jacob Degrom 185 million. I'm willing to pay Simeon 175 and, and Seager 325. And as well as make these trades for, you know, sort of expensive, uh, expensive pieces here. So yeah, it, it's definitely you know a it it definitely deserves a an applause from, you know, from Rangers fans to see, you know, because because there was a lot of reason to say the Rangers weren't worth investing two hundred fifty million dollars in this year, considering you know they were they won sixty eight games last year, but the they continue to go on, they continue to get veterans, and now that they're in this place of, now that they're in first place, they continue to invest in the team with, uh, you know, high profile starting pitchers and making the moves that they have to make. Another thing that kind of goes into like, Hey, this team is worth investing is the fact that they brought Bruce Bochy out of retirement to, to manage. Like, I don't know if MLB managers salaries are public. I'm sure they are, but I would imagine it took, it took some money to, to convince an all-time great manager with, you know, 2000 career wins to come out of retirement and say, Hey, I want you to coach like this team that won 68 games last year. Um, so he obviously, you know, had to have gotten them to buy him to buy in. Uh, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's an interesting, another thing that says like, Hey, by the way, like very clearly the front office mentality has changed since 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. Um, <clears throat> to, talk about Montgomery a little bit I mean he has been a he's been very reliable like pro, since he pretty much since he got traded from St. Louis uh, or traded from New York to St. Louis uh, last uh, August you know I don't have the particular stats but this year specifically he has a 3-4-0 ERA I think a fit below four uh, and you know has been consistent he, he gets innings uh, he's been historically pretty healthy so a good option and i don't think the rangers really broke the farm system too much to get him either no i i, I would agree with that um you know they still have a lot of guys evan, or evan uh was his name evan white or something like that who's the or evan carter that's who it is that's the guy that they have in the top of that system i think that's his name um like that's you know they got to tape they got to keep the the guy that as a prospect you'd probably consider untouchable um yeah he's in double a right now and he is an 859 ops in 77 games played right 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 um yeah like yeah there's there's also 20 uh, years old he's also 20 years old playing in double a which is like very young right right so yeah the the rangers like I mean, they they've they've identified that this is this is the time to this is the time to try and win. Um, so good on them for doing that, not really holding anything back. And it makes a lot of sense considering that they have, you know, they have gone out 
the past couple off seasons and signed guys who are, you know, well into their, or not well into their thirties, but in their thirties, which is, you know, considered a risk in, you know, today's free agent markets, uh, obviously, but they've gone out and done it. They've, they've taken those risks. And when you take those risks, you're banking on winning in the next, you know, three to four years. And here they are in this window and they're, they're absolutely going for it. So props to them um, for, for, for taking that. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I guess, you know, the going back to the Mets, they, they uh, trade off Scherzer to the Rangers and they trade off their other big high profile starting pitcher in Justin Verlander. They trade him back to Houston uh, where he came from and won two Cy Youngs with. Uh, what did you think about this deal? I mean, I don't want to sound super negative here to start off, but this is a, I think this is a very botched situation by Houston because uh, reports said that when Verlander was a free agent this past winter, the Astros offered him about two years and $80 million. The Mets offered him two years and $86 million. So that's, you know, a $3 million a year difference uh, for another older starting pitcher, Verlander at 40 years old this year. And, you know, he looked solid with the Mets as, you know, his ERA did outperform his FIP a little bit and his strikeouts were down, his walks were up. Um, but, you know, overall, bottom line, you know, he still got outs when he was on the mound. He still pitched pretty well for them. Um, but the Astros could have paid an extra two, $3 million to keep, to keep him in free agency. Instead, they traded two of their top organizational prospects to have him for half a year less of what they could have had him for. Uh, which is, I think, pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah, definitely understandable. Um, yeah, it it is brutal. However, I do kind of understand. Like, if we if we time travel back to December of uh, of twenty twenty two here, thinking about the Astros' uh, rotation situation without Verlander, then versus now, you know, then you have Framber heading the rotation, which you know that that's remains yes. the case you have christian javier coming up he's he's doing extremely well he you know he had a sub sub three era with the astros the previous year now this year he's not quite the same he's got an era in the mid fours and fip in the mid fours uh you had jose arquiti and luis garcia both of those guys are on the 60 day il right now and you kind of were relying on them so it kind of makes sense why the astros maybe went into not necessarily desperation but they went like, oh, man, I mean, it sucks that this situation had to occur, but we do have to get this guy in order to up our chances for this year. So we are, you know, I guess we'll say goodbye to these prospects. But I think it made sense to let him go, uh, at, you know, let him let him go last year. But considering all the things that have gone wrong, wrong with that rotation this year, you know, it, it does suck, but it's something they sort of had to do. Yeah, it is unfortunate, uh, but at the same time, I mean, you know, you do look. I, yes, this is this is all based off of the hindsight of of everything happening. But at the same time, you know, they, they did in the end choose to give up their top two organizational prospects instead of paying them an extra three million a year. And yeah, I mean, the rotation has gone south with you know Javier underperforming. Uh, I believe Garcia is getting Tommy John surgery. Urquidy is coming off the sixty day IL soon. I believe tomorrow we're supposed to start, actually. Um, Hunter Brown hasn't exactly taken the step up that you want him to. Um, 
JP France has been all right, but he's playing a much bigger role than I think anyone anticipated he would, including himself. Uh, right. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that Verlander uh, comes in to fix that rotation, but yeah. Yeah, and and also, you know, to to add to this, it's not, you know, the Verlander they're getting is is not even the Verlander of, of last year. Like, you know, no. you, you don't know, you know, everyone has declined, but you don't know how steep they're going to be. And even last year, Verlander's strikeout rate declined, and this year it's declined even even further. He has actually a below average uh, strikeout rate this year, which is crazy to think about with Justin Verlander, but he is 40. But yeah, he has a 21% strikeout rate, uh, 8% walk rate, or at least he did. Yeah, he hasn't had his first start with uh, the Astros. So the, those numbers are the same, which is a below average strikeout minus walk rate. Uh, his contact numbers have been all right his barrel rate has been has been well below league average which is probably what's been lowering his expected expected dra and whatnot but you know it's it's also you that this isn't the guy you know if if this guy went on the market now he would not be getting 43 million a year you know his it's he's had a, a little bit of a decline albeit he's still a good pitcher you know 315 era 329 expected era but it's also not it's not the last year you would have justified more giving up to two top two top two organizational prospects uh instead of this year mm-hmm. um, yeah it's just an unfortunate uh circumstance but otherwise you know they got their ace back uh, and, you know, I think we're still kind of waiting to see when they, I don't want to say inevitably, but when they inevitably run away with the division. And, and I think, you know, it just hasn't happened yet. And Verlander is kind of the piece that they need. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, who knows how long this Astros championship window uh, will last, considering, you know, they have a they have a lot of veterans uh, contributing to the team. They probably have some guys you know on contracts or some guys contracts or control ending you know in the next couple of years so you know they they want to maximize their winning potential while they have it uh so letting go of two prospects might not be you know they're not necessarily yeah they're not like the rangers they're not playing the long game uh they don't really have even have that good of a farm system so you know just put all the pieces in now and and see what happens so so yeah they're a game and a half out of the rangers as we speak in that al west uh but yeah they they continue to sort of be the favorites to win that division um at the end of the year but yeah anything more on the verlander trade um no that was everything i had all right uh I'm trying to think what's what is next on the important scale it it, it is a steep drop off after that um, but let's, uh so let's talk about this jack flaherty trade yeah sure because you know this one kind of had i think it was i think the news broke at like a 556 or something like that like it was one of the last deals that was made before the deadline and you know a lot of people were worried like is it like are the orioles gonna are they are they gonna not invest in the team again like are they gonna keep waiting for the right time and you know they did it they did they did something and People might not have viewed it as a big move. However, if you got to see his start from the other day, Chris, but his velocity was at like the highest point that it's been all year. Wow. 
Really? Yeah. He was hitting 97 consistently in the first thing. Uh, I'm going to check his like actual like game by game velocity real quick, but uh, yeah, he was throwing harder in that game than at any point throughout the season with the Cardinals. Um, So it was certainly an interesting thing because the Orioles obviously saw something. And at the same time, the Cardinals probably missed something um, for a while, but yeah, if you look at the average pitch velocity, it was not, it was his average fastball velocity was 94.1 miles per hour uh, in that start. And that was among the best. I think that's the second best he's had in any start this year. Yeah, I know that is 1.1 miles per hour above his season average for mm-hmm. forcing fastball. So, so yeah, it, that, yeah, that is, that is pretty cool. And, We've talked, I think we've talked about a little bit. The Orioles now are one of the most advanced, you know, analytically advanced organizations. So I don't know. Usually that doesn't translate to increased pitch velocity, but um, maybe they saw something mechanically that that they wanted him to change and he put it into place immediately. Yeah, I mean, I look there. These people are smarter than we are, and they obviously they probably got him with the intention of we see this thing, we're going to fix this thing when he gets here. And then obviously once he did, they explained it to him and it clearly, clearly something worked out. Um, It could be extension. It could be, I don't know. It could be like arm angle. I don't know. I'm I'm not, I'll have to look into it. Yeah. I I know. Yeah. It could be something with how he puts, you know, how he uses his back leg or something, or I don't know. Mm. I'm not, I mean, yeah. but that, that's gonna be that's gotta be embarrassing from a Cardinals perspective. Right, right. But you know, we we still, you know, we don't know absolutely, but also, yeah, the Cardinals aren't known for having uh velocity machines out there. Yeah. Uh he threw his fastest pitch of the year in that game. He's thrown ninety-seven miles per hour once this year, and it was in his last start. Right, right. Yeah, that does that does ring a bell a little bit. Uh, with yeah, with the Orioles, it it was inter- Yeah, it was definitely interesting. Of like, yeah, they they didn't want to sell off too much in terms of you know prospect inventory. Um, so they were a little bit cautious, which I can definitely understand considering you know what their potential is for next year and twenty twenty five and beyond that. Um, and they they want to build. They have the potential to build a dynasty with what they already have uh, in their organization. But but yeah, I mean, they have a shot this year, too. So they wanted to invest a little bit in that. And yeah, what better way to invest than in a starting pitcher? That's obviously where they needed to bolster their, you know, bolster their roster. Uh, It wasn't in their bullpen. It wasn't in their offense necessarily, maybe a little bit in their offense, but not that much. Uh, they they needed a starter, and I think this definitely upgrades their rotation. There were probably some Orioles pitchers that probably shouldn't have been starting games for them. Uh, that now you know they they don't have to rely on because they have uh, a veteran like like Jack Flaherty out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean they have a guy that they can definitively put in a game one. And maybe statistically it might look like a Mitch match, but you know, you have a guy with playoff experience, a guy that, you know, is, I guess, more, I mean, he's still only like 26 or so, but he's more of a veteran than really anyone else there. Um, so 
you know, it is certainly very encouraging uh, that, you know, they got a guy because before, before Flaherty, the guy that I would have thrown out in game one would probably be like Kyle Bradish or something who was a rookie last year and has, you know, broken out this year, maybe even like Kyle Gibson just for veteran purposes. But even then, I don't think so. Right. Yeah. Definitely understandable there. Um, yeah. Anything more on the Flaherty trade? Uh, no, that was kind of it. Um, I think one one thing that raised a lot of eyebrows uh, was on, on both sides, sort of, was the Aaron Savale trade from the Guardians to the Rays for a top 40 prospect in baseball, uh, Kyle Manzardo. Kyle Manzardo. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this one? I think Kyle Manzardo is probably the best prospect that was dealt at the deadline and it wasn't for and it was for Aaron Savali who you know has been doing extremely well in his last like five starts or so um so the Rays are clearly riding a hot hand there and I think I'm really just surprised that they gave up on him that easily I know that he's uh you know kind of struggled to adjust the triple a this year after he did extremely well in double a last year but um yeah just looking at him from a statistics standpoint he's on the seven day il right now but um in Double A last year, he played 30 games. He had a 977 OPS. He played 63 games in high A and had a 1072 OPS. Overall, between the two levels in 2022, 93 games, 397 plate appearances, and a 1043 OPS, which is obviously outstanding. That kind of goes without saying. And then in Durham this year, 73 games played, a 238 batting average, a 783 OPS. You know, things just hadn't been going uh, the same way for him, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, no, kind of surprised they gave up on him that easily. Yeah, absolutely. Especially uh, in an organization where, you know, prospects are valued a lot, uh, you know, and they don't really, they don't ever really go win now. Um, albeit, you know, they're, they've been one of the best teams in baseball this year, but yeah, uh, they get, they get Aaron Savale, who, if you, if you just didn't show his ERA has been, you know, solid, he's been decent, but not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rely on him to be a dominant pitcher from, from here on out. Uh, they, you know, he just overall this year, he has an above average, average exit velocity against uh, a below average strikeout minus walk rate below average strikeout rate. Um, you know, he's been limiting barrels, which is nice, but yeah, there's, there's not, uh, you know, I don't see dominance in the future with Aaron Savale particularly. Yeah, I mean, that is fair. I mean, I think he does make them a better team right now, especially when you look at how uh, banged up their rotation is. You know, like Drew Rasmussen is out for the year. Jeffrey Springs is out for the year. Shane McClanahan has been on and off the IL, and he just went back there. Uh, so, I mean, you, you, they kind of just need names out there for starting pitchers, and they happen to be trading for a guy like Aaron Savali. I'll pull up his numbers from recently in a second, but you know, he's definitely been riding one of the biggest like hot streaks of his career. Um, by the way, he's also a Windsor, Connecticut guy. Yeah. I just saw that. Um, shout, um, out, shout out to the eight, six, Oh, or I don't even know. Yeah. We're not even the eight, six, Oh anymore. Um, oh, did you also change your area code? Cause we tried to, uh, yeah, Connecticut did change. It's 203 slash 860. You know, spoiler alert, my phone number is an 860. I'm old school. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, shout out to 
shout out to Aaron Savale. He, one thing of note, they aren't, they didn't get a rental here. He Mm -hmm. is, he's, he's going to be with the Rays for this year and also all of the next two years. So there is that. So it's not like they ditched their, you know, you know, number 37 overall prospect in baseball uh, for a guy who's only going to be there for two months. But still, there is there are question marks to be had. And also, the funny thing with this is, like, the Rays and Guardians have both been very historically good with trades. So I have no idea who is fooling the other here. It's quite the it's quite the unstoppable force versus immovable object scenario that is talked about. Like the Rays. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because uh, I mean, you know, I think I think it could just I think for that reason, it could just be a win win. Like maybe Manzardo goes on to, you know, like figure it out in AAA in Columbus and come up and be I think and then, you know, come up to the majors and hit well and replace one of the guys that they traded. Um, cause I think he's an, he's an infielder. Let me look up exactly where he plays. Uh, he's, he's, a, a yeah, he's a first baseman. He's a first baseman. So he replaces Josh Bell. Uh, you know, he, he has like a line drive rate of like 30% with a, with a like above average fly ball rate as well. Uh, and then Aaron Savali just, uh, you know, he adds like 75 more RPM to his spin rate on each of his pitches. Um, he somehow adds a foot of extension. I don't know how he'd do that, but he would he yeah. would somehow find a way to do that. And then he would have like a 183 ERA and a like 2.7 FIP. Uh, yeah. It's not pulling up his numbers. Baseball references being slow. Yeah, Savali just randomly starts striking guys out at 25% yeah. rate. Real quick, real quick. In the month of July, he made six starts for Cleveland and he had a 145 ERA with a three FIP like a flat three with right. one with one home run given up in 37 innings pitched. Right. Right. So, I mean, we'll see, we'll see how he does in Tampa Bay. I'm sure he'll make a postseason start uh, along the way. Um, I don't think he's done that in his career, but Why I think, not? or maybe, yeah, last year, last year he did. I think maybe. Did he start? Oh yeah, he definitely did. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot the guardians were in last year. They did do that. They did hit a walk-off home run to win a series. That's true. That is true. It was one of like three runs they scored the entire series as well. Yeah, I can't believe they won four playoff games last year. That's pretty. That's pretty insane. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, they but yeah, went four anything, and three. Yeah, they yeah they did have a winning record in the playoffs. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything more on uh on this trade? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm very interested in what Cleveland's just general uh, approach is here because you know they've they've got, they've kind of shipped out a couple pieces that they anticipated would be a part of their future. Guys like Ahmed Rosario, even to a degree, guys like Josh Bell. I know he only signed a two year deal, but you know they 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 uh, had him leave the organization. They've had a lot of interesting young pitchers come up this year. Tanner Bybee, obviously being the main one. Uh, and then of course, like Gavin Williams, who's come up as a top of the line prospect who's made a few starts and has looked all right. Um, and you know, I think if Shane Bieber didn't get injured, he probably would have been out the door as well, but he did get injured, unfortunately. Um, and then, you know, like they have a very, I mean, they're, you know, this was, I know that this was the, the main narrative with them last year, but they're 
so young. It's like if you look at their their roster resource on Fangraphs real quick, like the only guy above 27 in their starting lineup, well, Miles Straw, who I don't think they anticipate being a long-term part of their future, and then Jose Ramirez, who's 30. And then, like, you know, they added Noah Syndergaard, which nobody expected. Um, but, right. you know, I think he's there to have a veteran presence in that rotation, especially because Bieber is injured. Because if you look at the rest of the rotation, it's Bybee, it's Williams, it's Logan Allen, it's Xavier and Curry. Uh, you know, McKenzie, unfortunately, is still out. Well, he went back on the IL. But I'm I'm pretty interested to see what this franchise looks like in the next two to three years. Yeah, 100%. Because you're, you're anticipating s- steps up from a majority of your roster when you're when you're talking about guys that young and you know guys in their system like that i mean yeah they've they're they could be potentially building something but yeah unfortunately uh they're never really going to spend so they're you're never going to see quite that super team at a at a cleveland but yeah i mean this is a potential like team that controls the AL Central for for a for a few years there. I mean not only that, but they're only two and a half games behind the twins right now in the AL Central. So like, you know, all it takes is a good month and they could run away with the division. You know, we kind of saw it last year. The twins stumbled in August and the Guardians uh went on a run at the end of the season and they clinched the division with like a week left in the season out of nowhere. Right. Like, there's no reason the same thing can happen. Bob Nightingale, for some reason, tweeted congratulations to the Minnesota Twins on on the AL Central because the Guardians sold. Yeah, right, right, right. Which is like, you can you can sell and still make the playoffs. You know who did that? The Minnesota Twins, the team that you're declaring won the division. In 2017, they traded Brandon Kinsler, their closer, at the trade deadline, and they and then they made the second wild card. Right, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for sure. A year um, after a year after having like the worst record in the league, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, one thing I did want to kind of go over was th- those like teams that were near the top of the division, but were clearly not in like a in a spot to win the World Series. Who just you know chose kind of wisely chose not to buy. Like you look at the Brewers, who you know are at the are at the top of the NL Central and the twins who are at the top of the AL central. And normally when you're a division winner, you're like, all right, full by we're in this championship window, but those teams, like it's kind of like, you know, they'll, they'll make the playoffs, but what are the odds that they're going to actually make it far in those playoffs? So I kind of understand not going full by, even when you're leading, leading the division, knowing that you're probably going to not make it far in the playoffs. It's funny because there are, I think, a lot of teams that have the mentality of like, well, as long as we just get to the playoffs, you know, the Phillies went to the World Series last year as a sixth seed, like the Braves won the World Series with an 88 win team. Like, as long as we get there, we have a shot. And the Brewers just and Twins just don't even really seem to have that mentality, even though they're like meant for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I, I get it. I get it from their perspective. You know, they're they're just I, I don't see them pushing that far. And I don't know that the whole, like that mentality of like, you know, if, if we, if we can get there, you know, we can do that. But to compare the twins to last year's Phillies, you know, roster wise, talent wise, yeah. 
it's kind of a stupid thing to do. Like it, it yeah, would be if you if, it, it creates it creates such a mentality when that precedent is set where the number six seed, the lat you know, the the team that wouldn't have been in the playoffs under last year's format goes out and almost wins the World Series. Like it creates the, the notion that anyone can do it. It doesn't matter who you have, as long as you get there, you have a shot. You yeah. know, even if it's like, you know, the 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 88 win brewers going up against the 111 win braves it's like the the hydrogen bomb versus coughing baby meme <laughs> but right so like and, and we talked about this actually in in the group chat we're in uh with with nico and rob was like you know we the phillies get mentioned however like the phillies weren't your average six seed they had you know Aaron nola and zach wheeler at the top of the rotation they had two legitimate aces like two legit Cy Young contenders, the 2021 NL MVP and Bryce Harper, the best catcher in baseball at the time, <laughs> you know, like a guy the, who had uh, 45 home runs that the year, you know, that year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Reese Hoskins, separate, like a totally separate guy. Yeah. Reese Hoskins as well. Like they, <laughs> you know, they were more than a six seed. They were, they were not the, you know, you know, they were, else? yeah, they were a nine, they were a, like a 95 win team that just like accidentally lost a couple of games and almost didn't make it by mistake. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, who else, you know, who else was a six seed that year was the Rays who scored uh, one run in yeah. the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Against the, the playoffs that didn't even really belong to there either. I'm, I'm thinking that the twins and brewers are more similar to the Rays last year's Rays than last year's Phillies. So, you know, at I, least I, they'll I, get home field in the playoff series. Yeah, at least, at least, at least that will go down. But who knows? The, the number three, the number three Brewers versus the number four Giants would be a heck of a series. I think that's right. what it would be, right? Or no, it'd be the six seed. It would be the number three Brewers versus at this point, uh, what the the Reds or the Phillies? One of the two. Oh, it'd be the Reds at this point. Right. Yeah forgot how the playoffs work for a second it would be Phillies yeah it would be Phillies Reds and then it would be Giants and Phillies or no Giants and wait <laughs> I'm I'm having a moment it's giant it would be Giants Phillies Brewers Reds okay and then in the American League it would be I believe Blue Jays <laughs> Blue Jays Twins and the Blue Jays are four games better but they would have to go to Minnesota uh, and then raise and then raise Astros. Yeah, I, I I'm wondering if if the Twins can win a playoff game this year. I doubt it, but it would be funny if this is the year they do. That true, not the year they won 101 like the games. Will be massive favorites, even though you know it's in Minnesota. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, so honestly, the, like if you're if you're an AL team, do you want the six seed more than the five seed because you get to play the twins? Yeah, one hundred percent. Because 100%. because the four seed will either be likely the Rays or the Orioles. Right. Yeah. And like, don't I don't know. I'd them. rather get the six than the five at that point. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like down the line, if what how we see teams approach games, you know, depending on where their playoff status is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the uh, 
the the Guardians and Rays made their trade with Aaron Savale. Uh, what 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 do we want to get into next? Do we want to talk a little bit about I don't know the Dodgers got Lance Lynn. I don't know the the they're Dodgers just, pitching has fell off they're, massively. They're doing like the buyer's version of tanking. They're just tanking for Otani. Yeah, as but in, still having as a in, shot this year. As in spending as little as they possibly can while still putting a winning team on the field, while still putting a 63 and 45 team on the field. Yeah, I yeah, I, I could see that. that NLS doesn't have like that standout of a team. Right. Yeah, the yeah, because the Padres have not, at least record wise, have not, you know, lived up to the expectations. So yeah. it seems do, like the Dodgers have an easy route. This is completely unrelated, but I do think it's awesome that we're now into August, and there's only one division that you can say is over. Um, yeah. It's the end least. Oh, yeah. I was, I was trying to do the math in my head. Yep, yeah. yeah. That That is fun. And the wild card races are Wait, even Normally crazier. there's like three wrapped up by now. That's true. That's true. That is indeed yeah. true. The, the NLS is separated by three games. The ALS is one and a half. The AL Central, two and a half. The NL Central, 0. 0.5. And then the third place team is two and a half away. The AL East is two games. Right. Uh, with, yeah. Yeah, the Dodgers have seemed to still get like an easy route to the top of the NL West, considering that the Padres just decided to be a 500 team so far this year. Uh, with Lance Lynn, um, I know uh, Petriello, our ARR alum, he mm-hmm. kind of talked. He talked about him a little bit in a recent article uh, before he even got traded. You know, because he was a potential trade target. And there are some interesting things with Lynn. Uh, and unfortunately, like he's not a reliever, so these splits don't matter as much. But he has like a 211 batting average against righties, a 685 OPS against righties. It's just against the lefties. He's been completely awful this year. He has a 1000 OPS against lefties or lefties haven't have a 1000 OPS against him. Uh, So there are redeeming things about him. I think it's just been a, it's been largely a problem with the long ball uh, because he has, he still has a, Still has 10.7 strikeouts per nine and a 3.3 uh walks per nine. So like there is that. So it's it's a lot about limiting the long ball. Yeah. No, that really is what it is. What's a, what it's about. And he didn't do it in his last start. He gave up three. So that's stinks for him. Um, but yeah, the Dodgers still, even having a much worse team last year it will be funny when they win the world series this year of all the teams like mm-hmm. this this will be the team that does it not the 111 team one yeah, 111 right. win team last year or the 106 win yeah, team the, the, parade, year the parade's that. gonna be such a weird vibe it's gonna be like remember that team that won the world series god that team sucked <laughs> yeah absolutely right couldn't have been couldn't have been any of like the five 100 win teams that we had that all lost yeah exactly exactly yeah, though they might accidentally win the World Series. That'll be that'll be fun. Um the Angels bought a little bit more with CJ Crone and Randall Grichik. Um it 
it's it's eight you know their their buying is aging a little bit worse day by day as they continue to lose games to the mariners however at the time i don't know they 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 were not they were somewhat low risk moves what did you have any particular thoughts about them i mean the only thing is like cj crone is a former angel that's where he began in his career so i know a lot of fans were happy to see that reunion happen um I don't know. I mean, I think we all are well aware of what his home road splits were in Colorado and they were to a lesser degree this year, but you know, I think we all kind of understood like, okay, like this guy is, you know, he's not the hitter that you're hoping for, you know, on the baseline when you look, when you look at his home versus road splits, when he's away from Coors field, um, and I mean, he's only played five games for the Angels, so you can't really jump to any conclusions now. But he's he's yet to get an extra base hit. He's only hitting 250. Um, he does have two walks, which brings him to a 318 OBP, which is around average. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, with Gritchick, I didn't really have much thoughts with uh, with that either. But yeah, I'm you know. What stinks is what stinks from the Angels' perspective is like they only really got one reliever, and that's clearly their biggest problem. Yes, they 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 got one reliever who had an ERA in the fours, and like I mean, you saw some of the some of the. Are we started, we're talking about dealt. Dominic Leone, right? Uh, did they did they go out and get Dominic Leone? Yeah, they traded their number nine prospect to get him. Oh, is is Leone? Am I missing something? Is Leone good at all? No. <laughs> so, yeah, like we saw some of these relievers that got dealt, like David Robertson, Andrew Chafin, even Paul Seawald got dealt. And mm-hmm. the Angels did not get anyone Barlow really got that dealt. caliber. Who was that? Yes. Scott Barlow got dealt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was very odd. It is, yeah, it, it is definitely odd. And, you know, if in the hypo, in, in the sense of the Angels buying, it did make sense for them to go out and get Lucas Giolito to add to the rotation that was sort of struggling. But they really needed bullpen arms and they did not really deliver in that sense. So I don't know. I, I wonder what the thinking was there. Like, I, it it's weird. It's definitely weird because the Angels, like, I highlighted them as a. I highlighted that whole bullpen as a slightly alarming a couple weeks ago. Uh, they were clearly was, a problem. Well, I guess. Yeah. yeah, the thing that they addressed the least. Yeah, yeah, they addressed they addressed it somewhat, but not to the seriousness that they that they should have if they're going full by. Which uh, so Dominic Leone, Dominic Leone with the Mets with this year had a four forty ERA and a five twenty six FIP and thirty and two thirds innings pitched. And by the way, 2.2.1 home runs per nine, seven home runs given up in that 31 innings pitch, basically. And the Angels gave up their number nine organizational prospect. Yeah, tough scene, tough scene for sure. Like, I, I, I understand that, like, front offices really don't look at, like, you know, like, they don't use the, you know, the publications rankings. They probably have their own stuff for every single team. But no matter which way you, way you put it, I really don't see how that trade is accepted right yeah i yeah i don't i don't understand it either uh considering like they could have traded that number nine organizational prospect for even like paul seawold 
Uh, yeah, they probably could have. Or Andrew Chafin. Or yeah, David Jeremiah Robinson. Jackson. Jeremiah Jackson's the guy that they traded um, to the Mets. He had played, you know, he had played 82 games in Double A this year. Had a 768 OPS. Um, most notably, he was six OPS in 2021 between A ball and rookie ball. Uh, in 2022, he had a 712 OPS in Double A, which you know it is very possible because, especially because the Angels have never had a strong farm system to begin with, that he doesn't pan out and none of this matters. But you know, if you're going to give up your nine prospect, I think you could do better than Dominic Leone. Yeah, 100. Uh, shout out to the Mets though; uh, they yeah. <laughs> they bolstered their <laughs> right. their farm system a good bit here. Uh, they they took a they took a really bad situation, which is their is you know their 2023 season, and made some good out of it. You know, got got Luis on Halacuna, got the Astros top two organizational prospects, and got yeah Drew Gilbert, Ryan Clifford, yeah got and got this guy for a reliever that you know is not necessarily that valuable to the organization. Um, one thing, uh, one one trade I did want to highlight a little bit is that Paul Seawald trade because I looked into you know I'm I'm stat line scouting here shout out to Foolish Bailey for that term but there was a prospect given up in that who is having a particularly good year in the minors I'm wondering you know when when MLB pipeline does update their prospect rankings I wonder how far he climbs up because uh in this trade Paul Seawald goes to the Diamondbacks correct yeah mm-hmm. when- Went to the Diamondbacks. Uh, in in the return was a guy by the name of Ryan Bliss, who has been in both Double A and Triple A this year, and combined, uh, including his time with the uh, Mariners organization, he has a 9.32 OPS in 401 plate appearances, along with 38 stolen bases. Uh, that's, I mean, that's some really good stuff. I think this was a very good pull by the. Uh, by the Mariners here, uh, especially yeah, considering their their bullpen is really deep, so losing Seawald for this guy isn't the biggest deal in the world. Yeah, more importantly, he's a Brewster Whitecaps legend, uh, like apparently, according to his baseball reference page, so that's big for him. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that. Um, a little bit of a disclaimer there is like he, I, I calculated his BABIP the other day. It was, it's probably not updated now, but he had a 381 BABIP on the season, so some of that was probably luck based, but also, you know, based on the 38 stolen bases, I can tell he's probably pretty fast. So he probably was able to leg out more infield hits than your average hitter. So maybe that inflated his BABIP a little bit. But um, I think there's there's some upside based on the stat line alone. You know, I, I've clearly never seen this guy play, but uh, it seemed like a decent pull for the Mariners, especially for getting him for a a reliever of all positions. Yeah, no, definitely. I would agree with that. Um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. I mean, the Mariners don't have the strongest farm system, so anything they can get, you know, is, is awesome. And yeah, a good find for you, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not often do I look at, at a minor league players statistics, but I figured, I figured it would be a good look. Um, but from the Diamondbacks perspective, uh, with all respect to them, I think that's not a rental piece. I think Paul Seawald is under control through all of next year. So 
you know, this does address a problem for the Diamondbacks. However, they also did trade one of their relievers along with this. But the the Diamondbacks pitching in general has been kind of a mess for the last month and a half. So getting another reliever, um, I think, makes them definitely makes them a better team for this year and next year, because also I don't know what their playoff chances look like this year. They've they've kind of tanked the past month and a half or so. The Diamondbacks, yeah, no, it's they've gone downhill. They are still only a few games back, but yeah, it definitely doesn't look as as bright as it did at other points in the season. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, any other trades you want to get into? Um, I feel like we've hit on most of the important ones. Yeah, I mean, just throwing out honorable mentions. I, you know, you don't don't want to go too deep into every trade, but like. Josh Bell went to the Marlins. Jake Berger went to the Marlins. Um, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people were questioning like the return, uh, like what the Marlins gave up to get Jake Berger. Uh, they gave up like their number four prospect, but also Berger is someone to be under control for the next, I think, yep. five years after this. Um, That's exactly what it is. So, you know, it's it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, with Bell, like, you know, it's the same thing with Bell every year. <laughs> you know more yeah. than anybody. <laughs> yes, I do. I got to see um, it in person. Yeah, it's pretty glorious. Pretty glorious. Um, yeah, that's those those are the only other trades I really wanted to address. Uh, do we want to get into players to highlight? Let's do it. All right, so now for our Saturday, August 5, 2023 edition of How About That. He's striking out less, walking more, and he's also making better contact. Turning into a strikeout machine just out of nowhere. He's been excellent all around this year. He is getting a... How about that? So today, uh, I'm going to be talking... It's been kind of on a surging team over the last couple of months. Talking about Wilmer Flores of... Of the San Francisco Giants because he's been awesome since July 17th. He is slashing 404, 448, 865 for a 1314 OPS and a 243 weighted runs created plus. That 243 weighted runs created plus ranks fifth among all qualifiers and his slugging percentage of 865 ranks second in all of baseball. Throughout this span, 31.1% of his batted balls have been hard hit and in the sweet spot, which means they've been at least 95 miles per hour in exit velocity and between 8 and 32 degrees in launch angle, which is where you, which is usually the most optimal uh, place to have it. And that 31.1% rank is the 12th highest rate among the 256 hitters with at least 25 batted balls. Additionally, his 49.8% sweet spot rank ranks 13th on that same list. Uh, before the span, his barrel rate was 5.6% on the season. And in this span, he's up to 15.6%. It's been an exactly a 10% increase uh, throughout the span. Uh, he's also, in this span, swung at 34 pitches outside the strike zone. He has a chase rate of 29.3%, which is pretty close to average. But he has swung and missed at just three of those 34 pitches. That is eight. 0.8% of the time when he swings out of the zone, he's making contact. So his 8.8% chase whiff rate is among the lowest. It is, it is the lowest. I'm sorry. Among the 197 hitters with at least 25 swings outside the zone. So when he swings, he's making contact about 90, 92, 93% of the time. Uh, his whiff rate also has gone from 
16.1% before the span to just 13% in this span. That is the 13th lowest among the 157 hitters with at least 100 swings in this span. So Wilmer Flores, he's making better contact. He's hitting the ball at a more optimal angle, harder. He's striking out less, and he's very impressive when he chases. Yeah, Wilmer Flores. How about that? Uh, yeah, him. Yeah, the Giants, as you mentioned, are surging like comfortably in a playoff spot uh, at this point in the year, uh, which is very interesting. They've been walking off like crazy, winning one run games like crazy. Uh, just, yeah, putting it all together. Um, my how about that? Um, you know, he he kind of borders on not eligible for uh how about that however he's been doing exceptional and he's also he also is not in the mlb top 100 right now which i think qualifies you as like yeah you could you could get more recognition so um i am talking about lars newtbar crossing a team off the list yes uh and uh you know in his last 12 games he is hitting 405 with a 13 24 ops and out of 180 qualifiers in the span, he is sixth in average, eighth in on-base percentage, first in slugging, and second in OPS. And out of 171 hitters with 150-plus pitches seen in the span, his expected slugging ranks 11th and his expected WOBA ranks 10th. So his actual numbers are exceptional, and his expected numbers are also exceptional. Uh, Lars Nupar's strikeout rate has gone from 23% before the span to 10% in this span and in his last 12 games he has the 12th lowest strikeout rate and the fourth highest walk to strikeout rate out of 180 because he also has a walk rate uh, above 15 percent along with that uh, Lars Nupar's whiff rate has gone from 21 percent before the span to 13 percent in the span and out of 264 hitters with 50 plus swings in the span his whiff rate is 20th lowest uh, bottom 10 percent right there and he is also barreling up the ball great. His barrel rate has gone from 8% to 18%. And before the span, his average exit velocity on fly balls was 94.6 miles per hour. And in this span, on fly balls, he is averaging a 100 mile per hour average exit velocity. Uh, and he has gone, in, along with him uh, hitting fly balls harder, he has gone from hitting fly balls 18% of the time to 24% of the time and gone from slugging 710 on them to slugging 2,500 on fly balls in this span, uh, which is pretty exceptional. So that increase in exit velocity on the fly balls has really boosted his uh, boosted his results on those fly balls, a lot more going out of the park. So uh, Lars Nupar, uh making a lot more contact and also barreling up the ball way more. He is getting a... How about that? So that does it for how about that. And now we will get into our Saturday, August 5th, 2023 edition of Slightly Alarming Statistics. He's been barreling up the ball way less. He's not missing bats. He's not getting the ball on the ground. And people are hitting it in the air more. It's been so bad. He is getting a... Slightly Alarming. So for my slightly alarming today, I'm talking about a guy who had some tough Babbitt luck early in the season, picked it up, but now has kind of fallen back down pretty hard. I'm talking about George Springer of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, since July 19th, he's slashing 
270-209-088 for a just a 297 OPS and a negative six weighted runs created plus. His average slugging OPS, weighted runs created plus, and his minus 0.8 F4 all rank dead last among qualified position players in this span. Uh, before before July 19th, his average exit velocity on fly balls was 92.1 miles per hour. It is 88.2 miles per hour. So he's lost four miles per hour off fly balls, which makes a very severe difference. Uh, his hard hit rate on fly balls is only 30.8%, and the league average is 42.9%. So when he hits fly balls, he's not hitting them hard. He's hitting you know weak fly balls that are automatic flyouts every time. Uh, and before the span, his line drive rate was 23.2%, which is around average. But in this span, it is just 10 cents, the seventh lowest among the 231 hitters with at least 25 batted balls. And additionally, he has uh, 23 at-bats in his span against fastballs, including four-seamers, cutters, and sinkers. Um, and he is 0 for 23. Uh, he is 0 for 23. Uh, against fastballs and his average exit velocity against them has gone down to 80.4 miles per hour the sixth lowest among the 297 hitters with at least 10 batted balls against fastballs and additionally before the span his whiff rate against fastballs was just 18 percent and now it is up to 27.1 percent so george springer he's making relatively weak contact He's not hitting the ball at the opposite angle. He's specifically struggling against fastballs. He's not hitting them hard. He's whiffing a lot more. Uh, it's just been kind of a disaster for him. And that's how you slug under a hundred for, you know, a little over a little less than a month. Yeah. George Springer. Slightly alarming. Um, yeah. Has not been. Yeah. Has not been the George Springer. We came to know and, you know, turning 34 uh, or yeah is in his age 34 season, I believe this year. So uh, yeah, you wonder, you wonder if there is a decline that's sort of happening with George Springer, unfortunately, which you hate to see, especially with, you know, the Blue Jays sort of relying on him, giving him a big contract uh, back a couple of years ago. Uh, my slightly alarming uh, for context, I picked him out on Thursday night Um and I think the next morning and, you know, I, I've retrieved all the stats Thursday night. I think the next morning he was announced that he was going to go on the IL. Um, but I figured I'd highlight him anyway. I usually, you know, you, st you, st you stray away from guys who were on the IL because I mean, they're not currently playing, but I mean, his last start was less than a week ago. So I want to talk about his struggles uh, talking about Joe Ryan who started this year. Absolutely. Exceptionally uh, was, you know, was, in the Cy Young conversation through like the end of May. However, it is, uh, it has gone, it, it went for a turn for the worse. Uh, in his last 12 starts, he has a 6.51 ERA and 5.82 FIP in 65 innings pitched. Uh, out of 74 qualifiers in the span, Joe Ryan's ERA and FIP are third worst. Uh, what has been most alarming is his home run allowance. He is allowed 21 home runs in these 12 starts, which are the most in baseball and only one hitter has hit that many home runs offensively in this span. If, if Joe Ryan, if, if the results against Joe Ryan was a hitter, he would have the second most home runs in baseball in this span, which is a, uh, you know, really unfortunate for Joe Ryan. Uh, his sweet spot rate has gone from 31% before the span to 36% in the span. His fly ball rate has gone from 32% to 37% and hitters have gone from pulling 
31% of fly, fly balls against him to pulling 45% of fly balls. Uh, along with that, his average exit velocity against on fly balls has gone from 87.8 miles per hour to 94.7 miles per hour. That is almost an, exactly a seven mile per hour difference between average ex exit velocity on fly balls, which is extremely important when you're talking about fly balls because that's the difference. It could be the difference of going over the fence and, you know, landing on the warning track. Uh, along with that, you know, par partially due to that change in average exit velocity on fly balls, Joe Ryan's barrel rate has gone from 3% before the span to 12% in the span. And out of 95 pitchers with 150 plus batted balls against in the span, Joe Ryan's, Joe Ryan's barrel rate is the seventh highest. Uh, his home run to fly ball ratio overall has gone from 6% before the span to 20% in the span, uh, over tripled that home run to fly ball ratio. And that's thanks to the barrel rate and the average exit velocity on fly balls. And uh, his home run to fly ball ratio on pulled fly balls has gone from 13% to 53%. Uh, so hitters are pulling a lot of fly balls and a lot of hard fly balls against him. And, you know, you know, with that, like mo a lot of a lot of uh, home runs are on the are on fly balls that are pulled. So allowing more pulled fly balls is a is a bad thing. Um, and he's allowing harder fly balls. And that's why he is uh, giving up 21 home runs in 12 starts and has a home runs per nine uh, near three in the span. So Joe Ryan, I uh, hope he gets better on the IL and hope he's able to fix these problems but he is getting a slightly alarming. Um, yeah. I mean, an increase in pulled fly balls is usually not never a good thing as a pitcher. Yeah, it never is. And I don't even know what he would do to prevent that. Maybe stop pitching inside or stop hanging stuff inside. But um, for some reason, hitters have been able to do better against him uh, in the fly ball department. So uh, yeah, that does it for, the players to highlight. Now we get into a preview of the weekend ahead. It's most, yeah, mostly day by day pitching matchups at this point. But um, you know, the series to keep an eye out for are uh, Yankees Astros. They got a game going on right now. Uh, Cubs Braves underrated series to watch because the Cubs have been one of the hottest teams in baseball lately and are competing in that NL Central now, which is pretty crazy to think about considering where they were at even just a month ago uh, and another series to look at uh, Padres Dodgers. That's just good stuff. And uh, Red Sox Blue Jays is a, is another good series because both are in the playoff hunt. Uh, what do you got for day by day pitching matchups? So it's on Saturday, this one's already going, but Justin Verlander versus Nestor Cortez. Of course it's Verlander's first start back with the Astros and, naturally it's in yankee stadium never had to leave new york um <laughs> that's pretty funny aaron savali will be making his raise debut today against detroit and it'll be at comerica park he'll be facing Tarek scuble um bryce elder and javier assad will face each other in cubs braves that's gonna be at wrigley like chris mentioned john gray will pitch today for the rangers against the marlins that is at globe life field andrew abbott is pitching for the reds today against the nationals that is in cincinnati Jose Barrios is facing the Red Sox for the Blue Jays uh, at Fenway. Uh, additionally, Tyler McGill and Kyle Gibson will face each other in Mets Orioles. That's in Baltimore. And 
Kenta Maeda will face the Diamondbacks for the Twins. That is in Minnesota. Michael Kopech and Noah Syndergaard will face each other in White Sox Guardians in Cleveland. Corbin Burns, who had a fantastic July, will be facing the Pirates at home uh, for the Brewers. You will have Blake Snell facing the Dodgers for the Padres in Petco. And matchup of the night comes from Mariners-Angels. It's George Kirby versus Tyler Anderson in a pretty much a must-win game for the Angels. Hard, yeah, hard, uh, hard day to be a ball outside of the strike zone. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So then on Sunday, uh, Jose Quintana and Kyle Bradish will face each other in Mets Orioles. That is at Camden. Chris Bassett will be facing the Red Sox for the Blue Jays. Uh, like I mentioned at earlier, that's at Fenway. Um, Zach Greinke and Taiwan Walker will face each other in Royals Phillies. Jose Urquidy and Carlos Rodon will face each other in the finale of Astros Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Tyler Glasnow will pitch for the Rays against the Tigers. Zach Gallen will face the Twins for the Diamondbacks. Dallas Keuchel is going to be pitching for the Twins in that game. He did just sign with them to replace Joe Ryan. Uh, Brandon Woodruff will be making his return from the IL to face Johan Oviedo and the Pirates. That'll be for the Brewers. Awesome Gomber has been pitching pretty well lately, and he's going to be facing the team that traded him in St. Louis uh, in Rockies Cardinals. Sandy Alcantara and... Andrew Heaney will face each other in Marlins Rangers. That is at Globe Life Field. Bryce Miller and Chase Silseth will face each other in Mariners Angels. I love this Sunday night matchup. It's it's Dodgers Padres. It's Lance Lynn versus Rich Hill. Huh. Yeah. 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 Two guys that yeah. know the history of the rivalry. <laughs> right. Uh, right. And then matchup of them today comes from Braves Cubs. It's Charlie Morton versus Justin Steele. Yeah, that is a. That is a solid one. Definitely yep. a solid one. Um, yeah, and that shall do it for this edition of Above Replacement Radio. It's uh our our trade deadline extravaganza, not as crazy as the as the previous two, but definitely understandably so. There, you know, there there were only a couple big deals to go on uh in this past trade deadline. But we hope you enjoyed this one anyway. And uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens go to the youtube channel subscribe to the youtube channel uh check out all the all the features on that youtube channel check out our shorts check out our playlist the baseball history series the guest interviews all uh, 11 of them that we have listed included our most recent one with mike petriello of mlb.com if you haven't checked that out please do and uh if you want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter actress underscore Gianta, and follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs. We hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you next time where we will be talking all the happenings in major league baseball. Once again, see you then. This conversation, this conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>